Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. From a young age, I learned that mealtime was important. In our house, it was not really a question or a choice or an option that we would eat together. It was an unspoken expectation. But in looking back, I now realize it was also an invitation for our family to grow deeper. My mom was a terrific cook, and cooking was one of her love languages. And so we always had good food, but some of the best conversations took place around the dinner table. It was a time for connecting with one another. Whether it was talking about what happened in math class, or a field trip coming up at school, or a new calf that had been born. Whether we were talking about the Sunday sermon, or talking about a current event that was occurring in our world, it was a time to share life. And my parents modeled for me with each meal that God was interested in the little things and the big things in life. We lived on a farm, and I can remember several times that Dad would be working out in the fields late into the evening. But this did not mean that he had to sacrifice mealtime with family. My mom would prepare the meal, and then she would carefully pack it up. Then we would load up in the pickup and head to the field. The combine would stop, and by the time my dad made his way to the pickup, we were at the back, the tailgate was down, and it was covered with a spread of food. After praying and thanking God for our food, we would spend the next few moments enjoying yummy food and catching up on the day. I am convinced that our meals together were and continue to be an important part, an important way our family stays connected. There is something universal and special about sharing a meal together. No matter what culture you are from, sharing a meal breaks down barriers and it creates room for conversation and building relationships. And Jesus' mission strategy centered around meals, and today's text is no exception. In the 14th chapter of Luke, we find Jesus in the home of a prominent Pharisee. Scripture indicates that he was being watched very closely. Now, Jesus knows that his time of crucifixion is near, and he is very intentional in making every moment count. And he chooses to heal a man who has an ailment. And we really don't know a lot about this man. We don't know if he stumbled in off of the street or if he had been invited to this meal. Perhaps he was a friend or a family member of the Pharisee or maybe he was a Pharisee himself. Or perhaps he had been planted 
in this gathering as a test for Jesus, as many suspect, but Jesus did not hesitate. He sees the need and he responds. And then he explains it to the the ever-watching, ever-scrutinizing Pharisees with a question and asks them, if any one of you had a son or an ox that fell deep into a well, would you not immediately reach and pull him out even if it were on the Sabbath? What would happen if we too responded to the needs around us with a sense of urgency. It could not have been easy for Jesus to heal that man because he knew that everyone he was dining with that day, or at least most of them, were not very happy with him. He knew that he was likely being set up in a trap. They were waiting. They were waiting for him to make a mistake. But Jesus also knew this man needed help. And he knew that he was to be about doing his father's business. Now you might think the story ended there and Jesus healed the man, breathed a sigh of relief, and then laid low for the rest of the meal. (laughs) But That is usually not how Jesus operated. As he often did, especially with encounters with the Pharisees, he tackled another topic that was also difficult. Likely stepped on a few toes, he began to talk about humility. In verse 11, it said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. As I prepared for this morning, I thought about different mission experiences I have had that were connected to meals, because meals are such important tools in missions. I also reflected on the importance of humility and honoring the person who is serving us. Sometimes, This means eating or drinking something that we might not normally choose to eat or drink. It is not always comfortable. One of my mentors used to say, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. What they feed me, I will swallow. Prior to going to Ethiopia a few years ago, I learned that our mission team would be participating in several coffee ceremonies while we were there. This information made me nervous. I do not like coffee. Knowing that the last thing I wanted to do was to offend the people who would be serving us, the very people that I longed to have a relationship with. I asked some of my friends to pray for me and to pray very specifically that God would help me to be able to drink the coffee. Well, my friends prayed, and some of my coffee-loving friends made it their mission to help me practice in advance of the trip. Thankfully, God helped me in spite of my inability to develop a taste for coffee. 
but I had no idea how profoundly important these coffee ceremonies would prove to be. Ethiopian coffee ceremonies are selfless acts of hospitality, and they are an incredibly important cultural tradition. In each home we visited, our host graciously offered one of these ceremonies. And there were some days we experienced multiple ceremonies. You may be wondering what a coffee ceremony in Ethiopia entails. Well, each ceremony has three rounds of coffee. This is not a rushed experience, but it is very meaningful. It begins with the hostess roasting coffee beans over an open fire. The beans are then cooled and ground using a mortar and pestle. Water is heated over the fire and the ground coffee is added and the coffee is brewed. All of this is done ceremoniously in front of the entire group. When the temperature is deemed just right, the coffee is poured into small cups, much like this, and it is offered to everyone in the group. This first round is an icebreaker of sorts. And the conversation is somewhat light and friendly. When everyone finishes their cup, they return it to the hostess. She takes them and rinses them. And then she adds water to the coffee vessel and begins brewing the coffee the second time. Pours it into the cups and serves each person in the group. Conversation continues. The flavor is not quite as strong this round, but the conversations move to a deeper level. This process is repeated and the third cup of coffee is served as a blessing to everyone who is participating. As I participated in this deeply rich experience, I was humbled by the sacrifice of those who were serving. I knew that the expense of the coffee beans were a real financial hardship for some of these families. Most of the settings where these ceremonies were held did not have a lot of material possessions. But every family had cups and the supplies to offer a ceremony. These were considered essential items to them. I was absolutely amazed at the stories and conversations that were shared around these cups of coffee. And I was impacted by the love, the care, the time, the attention, and the hospitality being shared. And I could have missed it. I could have said, you know, I don't really like coffee, so I think I will just skip that. 
and I would have missed out greatly. Jesus went on that day to tell a parable about a banquet. There was a wealthy man who had prepared a great feast. Invitations had gone out. Food had been prepared. All of the details had come together, and it was time for the festivities to begin. And so he sends out his servants and said, Go to everyone I have invited and tell them, Come. The time is now. Everything is ready. And yet... One by one, they heard the responses. They heard the excuses. I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. I apologize. I've just bought a yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try it out. I'm sorry. I just got married. I can't come. The man became angry. And so he said to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And upon learning that there was still room at the table, he extended the invitation even further. And he said, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Much like those servants... God is sending us out to carry his invitation to the world. The master has prepared a great banquet. Everything is ready. And we are to go everywhere. And not just where it's comfortable. Not only to the people we already know and love. But to everyone. Our children in First Kids are working on memorizing scripture on Wednesday nights. And this next week, we will begin to work on a passage of scripture that is referred to as the Great Commission, which is indeed worthy of all of our attention. Listen to these words found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our master is preparing a great banquet and he has both invited us to be guests but he has also commissioned us to go and share the invitation. There's a professional singer named Ruthanna Metzger who tells a story of another banquet. It was a, a wedding feast she had been hired to sing at the wedding of a very wealthy man. Ruth, Ruth Anna and her husband were so excited about this reception. According to the invitation, it was going to be held on the top two floors of the tallest skyscraper in the Northwest. They knew it was sure to be unlike anything they had ever experienced. 
waiters in tuxedos offered them hors d'oeuvres as they joined the other guests waiting for the bride and the groom to enter the room. Soon they entered, and they walked over to this beautiful glass and brass staircase that led up to the top floor. Across the bottom of the staircase, there was a satin ribbon that was ceremoniously cut. And then the bride and the groom began ascending up this staircase with the guest followed behind. At the top of this staircase, the maitre d' waited with a beautiful bound book that held names of those who would be attending the reception. Pretty soon it was their turn and the maitre d' looked and said, now how do you spell your name? I'm not finding it. And she told him, it's under the M's. He looked again and he said, I, I'm sorry, it is not here. And she said, there must be a mistake. Surely there is a mistake. I was part of the wedding party. I was the singer at the wedding. And he said, I'm sorry, but unless your name is in this book, you will not be attending this banquet. And at that, he summoned another waiter to come and to escort them to the service elevators to exit the party. On the way to the elevators, they got just a glimpse of the party behind them, of the extravagantly decorated tables covered with food and ice sculptures, of the orchestra primed and ready to play. And they knew they had missed out. They left, and as you might imagine, they drove away in silence. After several miles of driving in silence, her husband looked at her and said, What happened? She hung her head as she said, Well, when the invitation came, I was really busy, and I neglected the RSVP. But I thought, surely, since I was singing at the wedding, surely, since I was part of the wedding party, they would make an exception, and that RSVP would not be required. And she began to weep not only because she realized that she and her husband had just missed out on the most lavish celebration they would probably ever experience, but because she realized that she was getting just a taste of what some people will experience when they stand before Christ and find that their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Friends, have you responded to his invitation? He loves you, and he's calling you into relationship. He's calling you to be his guest. You and I have been invited. There's room at the table for each one of us. Come. It's time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And may we be faithful 
to go and share this invitation. Father, I, I thank you that you have invited us to dine with you. I thank you that you've invited us to be in relationship with you all the days of our lives. God, I pray that um, you would just speak to our hearts. Help us to be faithful in not only responding ourselves, but for praying for and reaching out and sharing this invitation with all those around us, whether they be here in Ukraine or around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.